0: And welcome back to Mummy Jojo Uncut Mojo Injection, episode 42 I'm Jojo Fraser and I'm here to give you a mojo hookup (laughs) Are we getting fed up of the word mojo? I feel like I say it quite a lot Um, But yeah, we'll stick with it I am all about hooking up your mojo this week And real talk Real talk is what we're about This life is not a performance Unless you're on stage Being there love a bit of a performance but when it comes to our issues and the struggles that we all face um, we need to talk about them we really really need to talk share support each other because you've seen the stats you've heard the stories we're all juggling we're all struggling with certain things and we all need a little bit of motivation self-development keeps things exciting um, but most importantly A judgment-free space where we can openly discuss and I'm thankful to every single one of you that has been tuning in since I started this last June because it was a dream of mine to just make conversations around our minds normal. Um, Not something that we had to hide and put on a show because when we do that, things build and they build. And this week... Good old episode 42. I have just an amazing conversation lined up for you, and I listened back to it and I was just thinking, oh yes, I am feeling this very much. So, I have Marie O'Neill from The True Connection, and Marie's a counselor. She's also a mindfulness coach who specializes in health, well being, and personal development. So, we've got a little bit of everything for you. We're talking mental health, we're talking Mindfulness, our minds, removing the stigma, therapy, loads and loads of tips for you, uh, loads of food for thought. So, I hope you enjoy this week, guys. I mentioned partway through the conversation that I was a bit nervous because I was leaving my kids for five nights. Well, I'm back now. I landed uh, yesterday um, and I had the most amazing time. It just shows it's really, really good to get out of that comfort zone sometimes. I had a great time in Dubai and all was okay, the kids were great so sometimes you know the perfect mum voice can come or the perfect whatever if you don't have kids but this oh, this sort of voice of perfection we need to do better we need to do more um sometimes you just need to tell that voice to back off um so yes you'll know what i mean when you get to this part in the conversation but guys thank you please give maria a, a rating she's amazing and um tune in and enjoy thank you for being here Mwah. Is with us now. Welcome. Thank you. How are you feeling today?
1: I'm good, yeah. Having a great
0: day. It's a bit like a role reversal. I feel like I'm your therapist or something. We're (laughs) going to chat. But um, no, it's really good to have you here. And we were just chatting earlier about that stigma of counselling because you're a counsellor and a mindfulness coach. I think the two go really hand in hand at times. You can probably link a lot of the tools in. But You were saying, well, we are both saying there's still a bit of stigma there around, oh, going for counselling. But I've been thinking myself, you know, having worked in the life coaching space, I mean, it's amazing. It's like having that chance to talk because we all have issues, whatever they may be, as big and small, having that safe space to share and try and get things out. There's, there shouldn't be a stigma about no. it, should there? No,
1: definitely not. And I like, I think things are changing here, and I like the way that, in America, people view therapy as just a thing. Like, everybody yeah. gets therapy. Yeah, because we're, we're all, all messed up. <laughs> because we all have minds, we all think thoughts, uh-huh. so therefore, we need therapy. Yes, yes. Kind of, just like we all have bodies, occasionally we need to see a doctor about if something goes wrong, if we're ill, if we hurt ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same. We all have minds. We all have feelings. We all go through stuff in life. Yeah. That yeah, we need to talk about.
0: That can be hard. Mm-hmm. We all have issues, and that's part of life and riding the storm. And you've actually got a waiting list at the moment because people it it is becoming more. I don't really like the word normal, but more acceptable for people to book in. But it's probably quite a. Uh, A tough time as well to to make that plunge for some people to say right actually I'm going to speak to someone about this. Yeah,
1: I think so. I feel like a lot of people wait until they're at breaking point when they're on their knees. That's when they make the call. Mm -hmm. And while that's great, they're coming in. You know, it would be so much easier if they came sooner. Yes. If they didn't leave it till that moment. But again, it's people think oh I'm coping. I'm Uh still getting up every day, so I'm okay. Keep soldiering on. Yeah. actually,
0: yeah. We're not invincible. So what would you say for people? Because there'd be people listening with different issues, perhaps stress in relationships, stress with work, feeling low, lack of energy, you know, all these. What sort of symptoms should people look out for when they should really be aware that they need to speak to someone?
1: That's really a tough one. I think, I mean... I don't like this idea of coping or not coping and people wait until they're not coping. A lot of people are coping just fine. Uh You know, they're managing their day-to-day tasks, they're living their lives. Mm -hmm. But if you're not feeling happy or, like, enthusiastic about your own life, if you're not having time every day, I would say, that you feel good about things. Uh I don't mean that you have to be you know, extremely happy every minute of every day. We all have to do dishes and laundry.
0: (laughs) I sing through the dishes, though. That helps me, you know. But
1: like what you talk about, the mojo, you know, if you're not feeling like that, some parts of your day and about different elements of your life, then Mm -hmm. probably it's worth finding out where, you know, where you could be going with that and what aspects of yourself you might have compromised Uh, for a comfortable life. Yes. and you know you might not be struggling or you might not be feeling desperately sad or low or anxious or whatever mm-hmm. but if you're not having those kind of moments of it's great to be alive you know this uh-huh. is actually like my one life that I'm going to make the most of Yeah. then I think it's worthwhile just like talking to someone taking stock about your goals and where you're at and where you want to be going and all of that
0: yeah, it's it's a tricky one because there's so many triggers in the day for stress or the mojo going out of town, as mm-hmm. I would say. So you yeah. get up and um, sometimes the first words I hear in the morning is, well, you make sure you tidy that chair or whatever. And I think, oh, how lovely. What about, I love you, bye. You know, so you have triggers from the expectations of others. Um, then you have triggers from, you know, if you have kids. So I have young kids, so I've got triggers there, i like, where's this, where's this, get me that, this, 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 this. Then you go outside, maybe it's pouring of rain or your car doesn't start. Or, you know, you could make a list of all the triggers mm-hmm. that we experience that yeah. can pull us away from that happy state. Yeah. So would you say that having a space to talk is a bit like personal development as well oh, yeah, then? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm very focused on personal development, I think. Mm-hmm. Without it, I think life can become very dull.
0: Yeah, yep, um, you know, I agree. it
1: becomes this kind of treadmill where it's just about getting through the day, getting to work, earning money, paying rent, paying bills, and mm-hmm. um, it's all kind of but for what? Yeah. If there's not a sense of progress and development, that's where I think you know often it can get just that stale and uninspiring.
0: Mm. Okay. Right. So the lack, so boredom. Yeah. Things to watch out for if you're feeling like it's ground all Day. Yeah. And your job is the same and. I mean, with parenting, there's an element of that because kids thrive off a routine to an extent, um, but then it's really important to have that spontaneity as well. holidays, trips away, day trips and things but mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good point actually. so what do you what got you into mindfulness, and what do you define? Because we had quite a deep conversation um the other day on our emails about the angle and the things we wanted to talk about? What, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Um, it's a really broad term, and it's obviously quite a popular one right now. And I okay. think, you know, it's one of those things that maybe people need to define for themselves, their own relationship with mindfulness. And the okay. way that I teach it, I'm not a purist in any way. I don't like to teach one method, you have to sit like this or breathe like that. Yeah. But I try to encourage people to find their own way Yeah. to, basically what it means to me is, To be quiet and to go within yes still yeah Mm -hmm. there's so much in the world that encourages us to seek outside of ourselves we're always distracted we're always watching things listening Mm -hmm. to things scrolling endlessly through things Mm -hmm. and we forget to just that actually we have information inside ourselves we're always taking in information yeah. and then being all kind of muddled with all the information that we take in that might be conflicting. Uh-huh. And I think we just forget to actually ask ourselves, what do I think about this? What's true for me? So uh-huh. to have that moment, ideally every day, where you stop the input going in and just close your eyes and just sit and be at peace and just feel what's going on for me inside. Uh-huh. And it's not always pleasant, and which is why I think people just avoid it so much mm-hmm. because sometimes there is uncomfortable feelings and thoughts coming up and mm-hmm. it's you know just even annoying thoughts or the same thoughts as yesterday and it feels a bit like oh. but there is stuff in there that is important that is telling us things about ourselves yeah. we can't find that outside, we can only find that inside okay. so having a practice where we can be with our own selves
0: uh-huh. and how do important. we know How do we know how we feel? How do we know what's right and not what's from someone else, like a parent or a friend or a pressure? How do we know who we are?
1: That's a really good question. I speak to people quite a lot about this in in my work. And I think because we do, we internalise the voices of our parents, teachers, Mm -hmm. friends, society. We feel all this pressure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I use the analogy of, When you're trying to order food in a restaurant or a cafe, you look at the menu and you go, "Mm, oh, I really fancy that. Oh, no, but I'm having chicken later, so I can't have that now. Yeah. Or because I had that for lunch. Oh, but I should have the soup because that's healthy. Oh, but maybe salad looks good, but that's a bit expensive for that. I'm not going to have... And it's like this dialogue within our own minds that Uh is just exhausting. It's like, actually... The one you wanted first, like the one that just came to you, like that's what I want, right. is probably your true answer. Ah, but then yeah. you start talking yourself out of it with all these ex- like excuses and reasons, and uh-huh. I find the voices that try to convince you the most that have the most reasons for oh, but you should do this because think about that, and then this and this. That's usually the kind of internalized shoulds, uh. which comes that comes from other people or other things. And the true inner voice, the one that's really what you want, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make excuses, it doesn't give reasons, it just wants what it
0: wants, because it wants it, end of. I like that, but how do we distinguish what's a healthy want or not, I mean do you believe because, just say there's someone sitting and they want to inflict pain on someone because it makes them feel good, where do we draw the line, how do we know what's a good want,
1: I, I suppose I don't think it's that common that somebody wants to hurt somebody else. Uh-huh, okay. And when when that does happen, it's usually to do with trauma. Yeah. To do with the experiences of that person. Mm-hmm. You know, just to use a really kind of old expression, but hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So if somebody is hurt to that degree, yeah, that they want to hurt people, yeah, then probably they have a lot of unhealed stuff within themselves. And it's not... If they they were able to follow that feeling and thought to its very core, Mm -hmm. to the very beginning of it, it's not because they want to inflict pain on someone else. It's because they want someone else to feel how they feel Uh so that they don't feel alone. Uh Because when you're really hurting, it's a really lonely place. Uh And oftentimes, if people have been hurt when they're very little and they didn't have anybody with them Mm -hmm. and they they were alone in that pain Mm -hmm. so it turns into this not it's not a conscious thing but they want to make other people feel the same way so that they're not alone in their pain
0: right right, so that might
1: be the actual true cause of that
0: okay so do you think some people it's harder to to get to that place of you know just that that natural thing that you want that free spirit that's probably a, you know not a harmful thing, just, oh, I want to have that steak or I want to go and do that swim or, or, you know, these kind of natural healthy things. Do you think for some people it's harder to get to that place or do you think we all have it within us to have that kind of happy, healthy desire?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, it's obviously harder for some people depending on what your past experiences have been mm-hmm. and how much work you've done on yourself yeah and just how complex your conditioning is and the past experiences that you've had
0: Mm -hmm. what's your thoughts on resilience in terms of you know some people have really tough lives and you know you'll see people that bounce out of it well perhaps it appears that way Mm -hmm. and others don't what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah I think resilience is a really important skill mm-hmm. as it were but i think there's um there's a theory in in therapy that it's actually helpful to have been through some difficulties when we're young mm-hmm. um And I think a lot of people think, you know, that, oh, I've had a tough childhood, it's a disadvantage. Yeah. Whereas people who seem to have had a perfect upbringing, which again, there's no such thing. Um, Anyone who says they've had a perfect upbringing is probably lying or they're not thinking, you know, they're not remembering things clearly because when we're little, things are difficult and things are traumatic for various reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, But basically, having had the right level of hardship... When we're young, mm-hmm. can actually you know foster resilience in us. Okay. Um. So, but obviously, it mustn't go over the top to the point where we're not not doing well as children. That then it becomes something we need to overcome later on. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? it? It takes the pressure off parenting a little bit because you think you know that and I speak about in the book that voice of perfect mum and trying to get everything. Mm-hmm. Right, and actually, it's okay for me to be away. Some, you know, I've booked this trip um, to see my friend in Dubai, and I'm so excited. But it'll be the longest I'll be away from the kids. Um, The most I've left them is two nights, and you start to have all these thoughts. Oh, what? How are they gonna survive without me? And you know, um, it's five nights, so it's not like weeks and weeks. But still, in my head, that's quite a big deal. But. They'll Be fine and they've got surround, but you know, you have the perfect mum voice. Oh, it's yeah. so unfair of you to do this, and whereas actually, it'll be good for them, it'll be good for me. And sometimes you just need to step out of your comfort zone, yeah. But we, ha- we hear all this dialogue, don't we?
1: Yeah, and the perfect mum is like a really good example, I think. I'd never knew guilt until I had kids, like yeah. on this level, yeah. And because I had done all my psychology training before I had kids. I had all that in my mind, you know, like how much everything can upset, and you know, a child and how you have to be so, yeah, all the perfection stuff. But actually, there's a really good psy- uh, child psychologist who coined the phrase, the good enough mom. I uh,
0: like and that. And I find
1: that so helpful. I always think in terms of like, is it perfect? No, but it's good enough. Okay. Because that's all you need to hope for. And actually, he also speaks about how it's helpful for children to sometimes experience... Imperfection.
0: Yeah. Sometimes
1: mom isn't there when you need her. Sometimes she's on the phone. Sometimes you know she doesn't let you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you have those moments of falling out. You have those moments of disappointment. That's what sets you up for life. That's what teaches you about resilience. Yeah. If you don't have those experiences when you're young, uh-huh. at the level that you can cope with. Uh huh. And then obviously mom is back again. She's off the phone, and you rebuild the relationship after falling out. Mm -hmm. And you learn that it's okay when things don't go your way. Yeah. It will be okay in the end. And that's where mums only need to be good enough. Right. And actually, if you were able to be perfect, which obviously nobody is, it wouldn't necessarily be the best thing for your children because they wouldn't then learn about how to cope when things don't go their way.
0: I like that. So it's okay to screw up sometimes.
1: Yeah. And (sighs) to show kids that, because they're going to screw up sometimes, So you need to be a role model for them and come back and say, look, I'm not proud of how I handled that. I don't think that was very, you know, very good Mm -hmm. what I said or did and I regret it and I'm really sorry. And kids can learn, you know, oh, when I make a mistake, I'm not going to be cast out in the dark forever and nobody will approve of me ever again. Uh I can come back and I can say, okay, I know I did something wrong and I'll learn from that and go forward.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I shouted at Charlie a few weeks ago, and I felt really bad. But he was pushing me, and told him off, and then he was upset, and I said to him like, "I'm sorry, I shouted." You know, I was just a bit upset, and he gave me a hug. It was quite a nice moment, though. You could tell he was pleased I'd said sorry, because there's this thing we have called an ego, um, that has a lot of trouble, and I've really been exploring this with mindfulness. This whole concept of the ego. Do you believe there's any positive parts of having an ego?
1: I don't know if, if it's necessary even to frame it in terms of positive and negative. I think mm. it's just how it is. It's just the there. way that we're built as human mm-hmm. beings. Yeah. And I kind of think of the ego as the social construct of our personality. Okay. And it is our conditioning. It's what we learn about ourselves and our place in the world when mm-hmm. we're younger. Mm-hmm. And... It is as it is. Um, but it's. I think it's useful to be aware mm-hmm. that it's there and that we have it and so that we can work on it to try and improve ourselves. And yeah. also, I think, to understand that there is more more to us than that
0: yes. as well
1: so that we don't get limited in thinking, oh, this is who I am. Yeah. I am this kind of person or that kind of person. And I always say that to clients, you know, when they say, like, oh, I'm an anxious person, I'm a worrier or I'm this or I'm that. and like... I don't believe in that. I believe that you know you are a person who have a habit of being worried or anxious, Uh and you can break a habit. You don't have to own that habit forevermore and say this is who I am.
0: Yes. So do you? Because I gave a talk recently, and I was speaking about introverts and extroverts and um, ambiverts. I like to think I'm in the middle, but then that's another label I've just put on myself. Do you believe someone is an introvert or an extrovert, or do you believe we all have elements within us?
1: I think we all have elements within us, but definitely some people do seem to be more introvert or more extrovert as well. And I think, you know, it can be useful to be aware. And again, where that comes in is often to do with energy levels. Okay. So it doesn't mean that an introvert person can't learn to be extrovert. And go and be very social and be with a lot of people in that way. Uh But it costs more in terms of energy. Ah, Whereas the person who's naturally extrovert, you know, might not need to learn that behavior. It comes natural. And when they come away from a social situation where they've been very, you know, meeting lots of people, they don't feel that drain and tiredness that a naturally introvert person might.
0: Right. So it
1: still doesn't mean that you're stuck in one behaviour or another, but you might want to be aware that if you're a very sort of introvert person mm. that it is it takes energy to go into that extroverted state and behave in those ways and be very social with people.
0: So do you believe things like exercise, which is proven to give us more energy and more happy hormones, can make an introverted person or someone who appears that way more to could it give them a boost yeah, for I'm social sure situations can, yeah. or is there any it reason? could be probably used
1: as a replenishment. Okay. You know, if you know that you've got a big events coming up where you need to be with lots of people, you might want to prepare by exercising first or uh-huh. replenish the next day. Okay. If you feel like you've had a sort of drain of
0: a social situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's mm. quite interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Working out, I'm, I've am i been really trying to prioritise it and I don't know about you but sometimes when you're trying to juggle work, parenting, whatever else you have and we know that exercise is so good for us but some days it feels impossible, I mean do you have a type of exercise that you like that helps you mentally?
1: I like um, HIIT training, high intensity interval training Okay. Mainly because, as you say, like I'm juggling so many things, yeah. work, kids, life. I want to get as much as possible for my time, yeah. so I go for the most hardcore kind of burpees, the lot. Oh, just to them. get it out of <laughs> the way, because yeah, it's nice to go for a nice leisurely swim. I love yoga. If I had hours and hours every day to exercise, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I have maybe half an hour. Yeah. So I need to get the most amount of energy burnt into that half hour to maximise my time really. Yes. So personally that's what I do.
0: Yeah. And how often do you train in the day and then the week?
1: I aim for five days a week.
0: Wow, that's good. That's a good commitment.
1: I don't always make it, but I aim for You aim um, for it, yeah. I do a lot of walking as well because it fits into my day. Mm -hmm. So I walk to work or if I'm going anywhere with the kids we tend to walk. So I get a lot Mm -hmm. of Free exercise for traveling places that's good yeah.
0: because the studies are there, and I guess for you when you 're speaking to people and if they 're in a tough place and it's knowing what tips you can give as well that's realistic for such a kind of hardcore fast paced world that we 're living in, like yeah. how can we make this manageable? how can we do it all and the correlation between um you know things like anxiety and nutrition and anxiety and how much we move it's
1: oh it's massive it's yeah. important
0: you know I, like I, I put a post on my stories last night and I said look I was so tempted to put a pizza in the oven but I'm chopping up these veggies because I'm trying because I know how much better I feel and I know the research about anxiety and nutrition so I think well if I can just try and take that extra few minutes but then I have this thought, oh I don't want to make people feel bad that I have thrown on a pizza in the oven because some days you just have to do what you can don't you yeah
1: and you don't, I mean, I wouldn't ever want to advise people to get into that where it becomes unhealthy the other way, where yeah. it's the pressure of perfection again and yeah. having, you know, or never being allowed to have a pizza. Yes, exactly. You know, because that's not healthy either. Yeah. For our mental health, I think it's vital to have those things that we see as treats or things that we kind of spoil ourselves with or that we think that we love, you know. Yeah. If we take all that away from life, it becomes just so rigid yeah. and you know and it's it's the, it's the way we treat ourselves as well you know I speak to clients about this a lot in terms of how how are you treating yourself yes and it is a way of honoring and respecting yourself by feeding yourself healthy nutritious food mm-hmm. and exercising because you know that that's what's going to make you feel good and yeah. you know that you need it but if you're withholding all the stuff that you love yeah you're not showing yourself love in that way yeah. But equally, if you eat pizza every day, you know, mm-hmm. then you're not loving yourself, you're not showing yourself respect, you're punishing yourself with unhealthy food. So yeah. it is a balance, it's, and I think it's one of those things that, again, when we look outwardly, you know, on Instagram and all this, you see all the perfect people with the perfect diets, and it's... It's so good. And we aim for that, you know, and it becomes this skewed kind of reality of, Mm -hmm. oh, I should be able to do this, I should be able to do that, because everybody else seems to be able to maintain these levels of perfection, seemingly. Yeah. But actually, to try and help people think about what's attainable for them. Yeah. And what's the level that you can healthily sustain. Yeah. Because otherwise you just set yourself up to fail. And it really damages the self esteem every time you try to change your life and go on a diet or do these crazy things where, like, you try to overhaul all your habits all at once. You know, and it lasts for, I don't know, a day, a week, a month. And then you fall off the wagon and you feel worse about yourself because you've failed. And it really contributes to this sort of loop spiral of Mm. poor self esteem and just not trusting in yourself yeah Uh, you can't do what you set out to do yeah you're you're like in yourself a little bit every time that happens
0: here i go again i had such a good week and then for me so i had this amazing week of just work was going fine i was on top of it just uh i was training i was doing my blaze classes and within a few days my trousers were looser and felt great and then came february break I thought, oh, I'm getting there, and uh, the cooking wasn't, and I was having more uh, sort of takeaways and whatever. And you go, you you get this voice of guilt, but then you kind of need to be realistic as well.
1: Yeah, and it's that inner, I always like talk about the inner critic, Mm -hmm. which is that voice of guilt, you know, the one that everybody has it, like Mm -hmm. you just beat up on yourself endlessly in your own mind. Yes. It's like having an internal bully living yeah. in your own head. Yeah. And if you think about it, you would never speak to anyone the way that you speak to yourself inside yeah. your own head. Yeah. With the here I go again, oh I can't believe it. It's just typical. And, <laughs> you know, would you say that to a friend if she had ordered a takeaway or you know? It's just ridiculous. But you think it's okay to speak to yourself that way? Oh, and most sh- of us do have that, like that voice, which is just horrendous.
0: Mm, it's not, not... helpful. It's not nice. So how many voices do we have? I mean, we have the inner critic, we have the ego. Is there anything else? or?
1: Yeah, there are different ways of, of viewing that. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, yeah, probably we have both or all of our parents living in there. Uh huh. Teachers from the past, uh-huh. people who have been influential in our lives when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have this idea of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's like a collective voice of society or something that, Uh you know, everybody else is normal and I'm not, or everybody else is doing this, that and the next thing and I can't seem to, you know, so there's that kind of externalised idea of normal, of what what people in general, normal people are doing or thinking Uh and how we differ
0: from that there's a outcast no outsider there's a term for that when you feel like you're going to get found out you know
1: imposter syndrome yeah
0: imposter syndrome so does everyone have that kind of and then they look at other people and think oh wow absolutely yeah definitely and they're going to find me out because I'm not good enough yeah
1: yeah yeah, that not good enough Uh thing yeah I think it's I don't know, nine out of ten times, if not more, is at the core of whatever else is going on really in our lives, in ourselves, in our thoughts, feelings, it's like everybody seems to have that kind of fundamental fear mm-hmm. of not being good enough.
0: I know, the different things, so for example, I'm just picking some life things, so one could be cleaning and cooking, so... And one could be oh, socializing or hosting, or you know, there's this because a lot of couples and relationships from research, the biggest arguments are you know, money, housework, um other people interfering. But how do people navigate through that? So, just say you're living with someone that's very different to you, one of you is really tidy, really good, really organized, perhaps one is more spontaneous, not as tidy. How do you because if If your natural state, that happy inner voice is saying, well, I don't want to spend the day cleaning, I want to go and do this, and then the other person disagrees, how do you navigate through that if you should be following that happy place within?
1: Talking together, like if you have disagreements or different ideas, I think it's just important to talk Mm -hmm. and get to the bottom of why you feel that way Mm -hmm. and I think it's often the kind of fear that if you do follow that inner kind of inner guidance voice of what do you really want Mm -hmm. it would tell you just to sit on the sofa and eat pizza all day Mm -hmm. because why would you want to do the things that are difficult Mm -hmm. but I actually think that's not true it's because we put so many shoulds on ourselves about mm-hmm. the things that we should do mm-hmm. then that inner rebel which is like the other voice that lives in there mm-hmm. the kind of, it's often like inner child self younger kind of self uh-huh. that is just like, no, I'm not going to do that just because you're telling me uh-huh. so whatever shoulds you put on yourself you've always got that comeback voice of that one's like, nah, I'm not doing that Right. so if you remove all that you might find that naturally, you do actually, actually want to do that exercise or mm-hmm. go for a swim or whatever it is. The only reason you don't want to do it is because you've put too much pressure on yourself to do it, mm-hmm. which makes you then go, no.
0: Ah, uh, okay. And
1: this can happen in relationships as well. If one person is overly you know, enthusiastic about cleaning, say, the mm-hmm. other one might feel under pressure mm-hmm. to, and, and it makes them rebel. Yeah, and it becomes a bit oppo- opposing, like uh-huh. the two different opinions. Whereas if you can talk together and decide that, okay, nobody loves cleaning this house, but we both actually do want a clean house. Mm-hmm.
0: How can we best manage that mm-hmm. around everything else? And yeah, mm. so how do you feel when you're following? Have you found it happier over the years in the work you do to follow that? What, what name would you give it, this inner, the goody, you know, the...
1: Yeah, I th- it's, yeah, many different names for it. I kind of like inner guidance or mm-hmm. inner voice, mm-hmm. true self. I guess mm-hmm. it's the same as what you refer to as mojo, really. It's yeah. like when you're, when you're being yourself, when you're yeah. in alignment with yourself and you feel real, you feel true to who you are and you're mm-hmm. honouring yourself and what you want.
0: Mm-hmm. You're living your truth. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that's your soul? Because I did read a self-development book that said we don't have a soul, all of our thinking comes from our brain, and mm-hmm. um, which I disagree with, but what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I don't like to dictate mm-hmm. what that should be. Um, mm-hmm. When I teach people about mindfulness and teach people about going within, mm-hmm. I try to... May let like encourage people to have an experience of what what is there beyond mm. the mind. Okay. And certainly, in my experience, there's there's something else. I'm mm-hmm. not just my mind. I'm not just my thoughts. Uh huh. And I'm happy to call that other thing soul. Uh-huh. Uh But I don't necessarily frame it as that. It's up to each person if you're comfortable with the word soul. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer consciousness, or inner self, or space within i don't even really care it's just semantics it's having an experience of that self which is important what you call it is only so that we can talk together and understand what each other means
0: i love that i'm not just my mind i'm not just my thoughts i think it's really important to remind people of that isn't it yeah um but there's some days when your mind's just on overdrive, right and it's so noisy and you could be in a really peaceful place so you could be in a beautiful on a beautiful beach or on a mountain, but your mind is just going mm. um with the world with people with jobless whatever it is and that's quite pr- quite a lot of pressure how how do how would a person that is in a beautiful space and they can't shut it off, what tips would you say to mm. people that struggle with that?
1: Yeah, that's, and I, I think sometimes those are the times when that makes it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do go to that scenic place and you do, like, you almost, like, set an expectation for yourself that, oh. like, if I can't relax here, yeah. if I can't switch my mind off with this beautiful view, with, in this lovely place, that adds to the pressure even more. Mm-hmm. And then your mind starts going, oh, why can't I do it? And a lot of people tell me that, you know, that it's, they, f- they actually feel more stressed, more anxious when they sit down to mm-hmm. deliberately try and practice mindfulness, because it's when all that outside noise and doing stops, yes. and they actually meet themselves, yes. that's when it gets really tough. Uh-huh. So I normally try to teach people to start really small, baby steps, you know, start with five minutes, mm-hmm. or two minutes if five minutes feels too long, you know, just... Uh-huh starting very very small because otherwise again it's like you set yourself up to fail Mm -hmm. like when you plan to overhaul your life in one day and start a diet tomorrow and all the rest of it (laughs) and you you just you know you wouldn't expect to go to the gym on your first day and do an hour of really vigorous exercise if you've never done it before Mm -hmm. you know you start slow you build it's like a muscle you build that muscle you start from can I just sit down you know, and you maybe not even want to close your eyes the first time if you find that a bit much. You know, you maybe yeah. don't want to do the whole follow the breath. You know, you might just want to sit with a cup of tea Yeah. and just put your phone in the other room. Don't watch TV and just sit and drink your cup of tea mindfully for once, you know, without scrolling, without planning. And just kind of see where your mind goes and just observe, you know, oh, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about what's happening later. hmm it's all very normal, it's what our minds do it's they just what they're think. designed to do that's why we have minds uh-huh. to help us plan, to help us make decisions Yeah. and it's just to remind ourselves that this is a natural process mm-hmm. and just to tell ourselves you know, I don't need to think about that right now I can just sit here and enjoy a cup of tea in mm-hmm. peace Slowly. and then more thoughts will come and you don't need to judge, you don't need to be so hard on yourself with the inner critic like, oh, I can't stop my thoughts there's something wrong with me you know, it's just, it's just, the mind is just doing what it's supposed to do.
0: Yes. So, uh, do you think the more you practice it and the more you build up, the easier it becomes to quieten the mind?
1: It, it does to a degree, but, I mean, I still have a lot of days where I sit down to practice and the mind doesn't stop. Right, okay. And depending on what I've been doing that day or how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. you know, I often have times where I sit down and think not working you know mm-hmm. this is my mind is still in overdrive it's mm-hmm. and it's just how it is yeah but the important thing is just to keep practicing still
0: persevere with it mm. when did you first get into mindfulness
1: probably in my teens okay Um, I started being really interested in just the stuff that no one was talking about mm-hmm. Um. I grew up in a very secular home and nobody at home was interested in sort of religion or philosophy or really anything and I remember having all these kind of like as a teenager quite big thoughts about Mm -hmm. what's the meaning of life why are we here and like I couldn't get any answers like nobody was talking about these things and I thought it's like how can we go on living this life if we're not talking about why mm-hmm. and what we're doing here and so I just kind of turned to books and trying to learn about various things and that got me into practicing yoga and mindfulness and, mm-hmm. and things like going within yeah. and, and tr- just trying to understand myself and the world and, yeah. and what's really going on
0: yeah it's complicated
1: it's very complicated <laughs> and it doesn't help if we all just like try and distract ourselves with stuff Mm-hmm. and not talk about those things.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think there is a God, or have you explored that, or what's your thoughts?
1: I've explored that a lot, yeah, and I've done a lot of training around um, with the Interfaith Seminary, which is about learning to understand all different faiths mm-hmm. and finding truth through not necessarily picking a path, Mm-hmm. Or just honoring one's own experiences and mm-hmm. um, without so much comparing or saying this is right or this is wrong, yeah so i'm not I wouldn't call myself religious and I've not been brought up that way mm-hmm. um but I definitely have an experience and an awareness within myself of a deeper place of connection uh-huh. Um. there's something more to this world than what we can see, yeah. That is my direct experience, and I think it's important for everybody to have their own direct experience of that. Uh And again, you know, when it comes to the words, it's semantics. Uh If you've grown up in a culture where the word God makes sense, and Uh you have an understanding of what that means, you might be comfortable using that word. Uh And some people are not comfortable using that word, and they might prefer another word, Uh like universal consciousness, or source of life, or energy or whatever it's you know
0: yeah I mean spirituality is an important part of our mental health isn't it I mean it's an important uh, and we were speaking about purpose mm. you know so so have you would you say you've found your purpose do you know what your purpose is
1: definitely yeah I think I spent a lot of time as I said trying to understand these things mm. and I think the more I studied and the more I learned and the more I was learning about other people and their beliefs and their faiths and trying all these different practices and reading all these different philosophies, the more I found that there isn't a one answer fits all. Mm-hmm. There isn't. I always thought that like I'm going to find out the answer mm-hmm. and then I'm going to come back and tell the story like here's what it is, you know. Yeah. Like, um. And I just never got there. Like I just never found like here's the one truth. Mm-hmm and i remember one of my teachers when i was in india he always used to say that all rivers lead to the sea mhm so it's actually not important like we're all made of the same stuff we're yeah. all on the same journey essentially mm-hmm. but the way that we go and the way that we make sense of things is individual to us okay so yeah. actually nobody can tell you you have to go this way you have to do that way you have to you know do this practice you mm-hmm. have to believe in god in this way mhm because that might not be true for you, mm-hmm. so everybody, you know, have to find their own way and their own truth, mm-hmm. and through that comes the purpose.
0: Yes, there's that path, and and it is a very personal thing, and, you know, with religion, and some people can come on really, really strong, which will put people off, Um, I think the Bible's a hard one, because, you know, you could argue it's the greatest self-development book ever written, and, you know, we here in Western society it's you know Christmas and Easter and all this and um, whether you believe in the story or not the book um, it's got some amazing teachings which are quite hard some of them are hard to relate to but you know things like the Sermon on the Mount and about love and the way we should treat people and the ego I mean it's phen- phenomenal um. But it's very it can be hard for people to relate to this day and age. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other cultures that spirituality is just a really normal, normal thing, and meditation is a normal practice mm-hmm. and um yeah, it really varies the way you've been brought up, where you are and what your thoughts are. But do you think everyone should start to ask to take time to have a bit of that deeper? understanding of what the values are what they believe
1: I think taking the time to open up the questions Mm -hmm. is really important Mm -hmm. and then what answers one come up with it's not I don't like to prescribe you know that Mm -hmm. it should be this or it should be that Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely having that dialogue with yourself yeah. And maybe with other people mm-hmm. so long as it's supportive and not that kind of dogmatic somebody trying to tell you yeah. you know, you should think like this and you should feel like that and oh if you do this and if you read this book, you know, mm-hmm. because that's where yeah, I do find people can become a bit well meaning because it's worked for them. Yeah. And I know I've certainly done that before, you know, try this practice or read this book, it was it's really helped me. Uh-huh. Um but actually if it's not what the other person needs yeah. needs, then you're just kind of yeah, it's, obscuring
0: things It's tricky, I think with my own book as well because a lot of people that have read it don't really know me and they're writing to me to say, oh, it felt like it was me that I was reading and I'm like, really? Um, and and I for my first book really, really shared like everything and I, with the Audible coming out and I was just reading it back going oh, I can't believe I I was said that or You know, but it's speaking your truth, isn't it? And my truth may be slightly different now. There'll be ways I can adapt. I mean, it's still... I still believe all the same stuff, but there's more things I could add, and we're always developing, but...
1: And the way you've done it is so genuine. You know, it's so real. You're not preaching. You're not telling people, do this, do that. You're sharing your truth. And I think, you know, people relate to that in a completely different way Mm -hmm. because it's authentic.
0: Yeah, I guess it gives people permission to... Share their truth as well. I guess,
1: and that's when people do have that permission to to relate and see the crossovers and say, yeah, this is similar to me. Whereas if you've been coming at people, going, you should be doing this. You shouldn't (laughs) be thinking like that or whatever it is. You know, your best advice from your life lessons, which might be excellent advice, but people don't take to that in the same way as when it's just laying it bare and saying, this is who I am. This is what I've learned. I've come this far, you know, Mm and people can see and go. Yeah, me too. Like, I can relate.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted, because we're more similar than we are different, you know, and we all, you know, our minds are made up a certain way, and we all have these fears, and we all have these insecure thoughts, and we all have these issues. And the sooner we can speak about them and get less stigma um, and make things like therapy, counselling, normal and um, were you saying was it America or was there some that's just normal or Yeah
1: I think in America you know everybody has a therapist. Yes. Yeah, Unless if you're really rich you have two. <sighs> uh, and nice. one for your cat, you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> But it's I mean it makes sense. I I would always be up for even you know marriage, I've been married it will be eight years in September and we've both had very different upbringings. So There'll be clashes and there'll be bumps in the road and there'll be times you disagree and you're trying to raise kids, so that adds... And I said to him, I would be up for just chatting to someone through our issues, someone really unbiased. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and, and it doesn't mean we're in crisis, but it just means it would be nice to try and compromise with certain things, and yeah. I'm I would totally... I don't see it as... But then I know if I said to some people, they'd be like, are you getting divorced? I'm like, no, but, you know, talking. But it is.
1: And it's that kind of, the different upbringings and stuff. We've all had different upbringings, you Mm -hmm. know, because we've all been brought up in different families, different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't see what is our upbringing and what is who we are now. And based on that, so sometimes we go around having these beliefs about, how things should be Mm -hmm. Um, and they're just things that we learned when we were kids yeah and then you know you marry someone and you realize that they have a different view on how things should be yeah and you know you end up fighting about which way is the right way when actually if you can put those things in perspective and understand where they come from then you Mm -hmm. realize oh actually yeah just just how my mom used to think that things should be I don't have to adhere to that anymore because it's my life and it's my house and I can do things the way I want now and you can start to have more of an open dialogue and you can have more choice around how you behave Mm -hmm. if you understand where those beliefs have come from in the first place but I kind of see it often I say this to clients you know, it's like walking around with goggles that we don't know we have on Mm -hmm. and it's only when we realise that they're on Mm -hmm. that we can take them off because our life and our reality is coloured by that whatever colour they happen to be that we learnt, you know, when we were so little, we didn't yeah. really notice.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We just it's just the way it is and mm. and then and then challenging that I, I see looking at parents and seeing things that perhaps aren't perfect and then that you can start to see in yourself and challenge that and mm. say, Can we break that genetic code?
1: Yeah. And as soon as like that's the first step, as soon as you become aware mm-hmm. When you know, and sometimes, like, I'm sure everybody, like, you start to hear your parents' voice speaking Uh out of your mouth, Uh and you're like, Oh, I didn't choose to say that, it just came out. Or Uh we see ourselves, and you know, we notice these behaviors, and we go, Yeah, that wasn't you know, that's when we start to have a choice. Yeah, when we don't know it, we don't have a choice, it's autopilot, it just happens, Mm -hmm. and that's where therapy is so useful because you start to look at yourself in that way and you start to see yeah I've always had this strong feeling about this or Uh uh, you know and you start to see patterns in your life that every time I get a new job this is what I do or this is how I feel whenever I'm running late or Mm -hmm. you know these little things that we come to realise oh yeah that's because of that thing that I learned when I was five Okay. and then you see like that's not actually helpful anymore I don't need to have that belief or that behaviour I don't need to keep living that truth because it's not true anymore.
0: hmm So it's learned behaviour, it's not genetic and something that we should just accept.
1: Definitely not, no. Mm.
0: So that's really encouraging for people yeah. who are stuck in a place where they don't feel they can change or they don't feel their relationships can change or yeah, it's it's powerful, but that's a deeper way to to do that we do have to push the ego aside and it's then don't yeah. we? And, and I and think search. We, have
1: to, we have to like turn within and uh-huh. look within because I think you know we can always change, definitely mm-hmm. people can change. I've seen a lot of people change a lot mm-hmm. um, and it is a choice that we make, but a lot of the time if we're not ready to take that step to look at ourselves and to make changes in ourselves and in our lives, we get stuck in that place where we try to change the outside world, change the circumstances, mm-hmm. change your husband, change your kids, change your job. Uh-huh. And those are the things that we can't necessarily change. You know, yeah. they may not be want to change. Yeah, it's our only ourselves that we can change. So when we remember that and take back responsibility, that's when we're empowered. That's when we can make different choices and learn about change.
0: I like that. What if one person really wants to change in a relationship and the other doesn't? How do you compromise? Mm,
1: that's really difficult. And often relationships are built on those conditionings that Mm. this is who I am this is who you are Mm -hmm. and when one person starts to change it makes the other one very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it brings up a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. around oh but we had this silent agreement Uh that I was going to be this and you were going to be that and now you're changing that so I don't know how to relate now to that Uh so that's again where couples therapy can be really helpful yeah to find new ways to be together that aren't locked in old
0: habits because mm-hmm. as to keep life exciting you know we need to go out of our comfort zone in our relationships but also in our own personal life you know as yeah. you were saying with self-development earlier yeah.
1: and i think it's it's inevitable that they're going to affect each other mm-hmm. i think if one person is developing a lot mm-hmm. how can that not affect the relationship
0: mm-hmm. yeah because well. it's change yeah. and a change you know there's a song Change will do you good at change um fascinating stuff. Well um I've abs- I could speak to you all day about this and I can't believe we've been speaking for almost an hour. Um I think I don't know I, I'm really for therapy um I'm really for talking openly. If you were to give a couple of pieces of takeaway advice before we sing out what would you give to people for mojo, injecting mojo back to their life?
1: definitely try to take some time to yourself every mm-hmm. day however little you know a few minutes mm-hmm. um, even just to build some sort of practice mm-hmm. where it's just you being with yourself taking that time even to get to know yourself
0: yeah. again uh-huh. and
1: start to listen to that inner voice the mm-hmm. true self within mm-hmm. so you can become acquainted and start to recognize that voice
0: Mm-hmm so you need that still space on your own
1: yeah and i think you know that's what builds that the platform mm-hmm. and the trust in yourself so that when it comes to making changes which you know as you said change is important growth is important mm-hmm. but often what happens is we become afraid mm-hmm. of change mm-hmm. so we try to cling to status quo even when it's not helping us yes and um, there's this kind of theory that people will cling to what is Mm -hmm. until it becomes too uncomfortable Mm -hmm. when the pain of staying the same is greater than the fear of change that's when we'll take that step to change but I think having that inner practice having that connection with ourselves it builds that trust in ourselves in our capacity Mm -hmm. in the world that we're safe Mm -hmm. to start to make changes not because status quo is so painful and uncomfortable, but just because, just Mm -hmm. because we can, just because it's fun, just because life becomes rich and interesting, you know, it's like, oh, look what's over there, you can move, you can go, you can dance, you can play, you don't have to stay stuck in one place, Uh just to try and protect yourself.
0: Yeah, okay, I like that, Mm -hmm. it's a safety thing then, it's like, break free. Yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. Well, I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone. We'll have a wee sing. Uh, what song did you pick and why?
1: I picked uh, Diamonds on the Souls of Our Shoes by Paul Simon because mm-hmm. it's probably my favourite song, or one of them. Um, yeah, I really love that whole album, Graceland, which is all the kind of African, South African music that uh, is really cool. I love
0: it. And I love the, the lyrics, diamonds and the souls are issues. Perfect. Right, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Um, thank you for having me. It's no, been great. It's been really a rich discussion, which I know will inspire so many. So keep up the good work and keep helping people injecting Mojo back into their life. And you've certainly inspired me to smash a few comfort zones this weekend and really dig deep. Thank you so thank you. much. People say...
1: People say she's, she's crazy. crazy. She, she got diamonds, diamonds on the, the soles, soles, soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose these walking loose. Yes, diamonds on the soles, 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 soles of her shoes. shoes. She's physically forgotten, and then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. That you're taking me for granted Because I please you these diamonds Yes Practically Ooh Ooh, ooh, ooh. If everybody knows What I'm talking about If everybody knew exactly, you know exactly what know I was talking about Talking about, Talk about diamonds On the soles of her shoes, shoes.
0: Oh, I love the African vibes mm, it's <laughs> so good isn't it take me on a plane now I love this
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to tease the beast inside of tea tea way, spring, a way. The poor boy changed clothes and puts on a hat to shave to compensate for his ordinary shoes. Deep lyrics? Yeah. She's trying to take me to the end of a, a, a doorway. doorway. The guess on the lights on up Broadway, wearing diamonds and if everybody here would know what I was talking about. I mean, everybody here would know exactly,
0: exactly what I was talking about. they
1: Thank sure.